As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Well, hello and welcome to the pod. I'm delighted that we've got a full house this week with the team all back together. First up, all the way from South Wales, it's Sarah Elgin. All welcome. the way from South Wales? You make it sound like I live in Australia well, no, and I've like taken I mean, a... Well, you have had a few holidays this summer. So, so. <laughs> it is lovely to see you. How nice. are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. This is very nice, isn't it? Like, what was it called? A podcasting studio? Well, you We've know, not been in one before. We've got someone who has their own podcast and... You know, trying to impress. He is royalty these see. days, so we've pushed the boat out <laughs> and the budget out a little bit. Shall yeah. we introduce him then, given we've spoken about him? Um, yeah, actual actual royalty, not just rugby royalty, Mike Tyndall. How are you, Mike? I'm very well. Yeah, it's very, very, like, it's as if I was a cat, I'm clinging on to that. <laughs> Very tenuous link to what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, this used to also be our podcast right. studio. I mean, you struggled to get Haskell through the door, wouldn't you? Well, to turn watch, what, his head or his... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very welcome, Mike. We've also got uh, Steve Cording here from the Evening Standards. You right, Steve? Hi, Sarah. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to Foxpop for hosting us today. This is great to all be back together, isn't it? It is, uh, all together. It's nice, actually, because nobody's shouting at me now for not plugging my earphones in properly or for not, like getting on camera properly. So this is nice. I like it. Um, a little later, we'll also be joining the Evening Standards rugby correspondent, Nick Perwall, as we link up with him in France to get all the latest news from the England camp. Okay, so let's find out what you've been up to then this summer, Lol. What have you been doing? Um, not not as much as I thought I would be in terms of holidays because all my, all my children are sort of grown up and they're all working full time. So... Unless it's Verbier or Ibiza, they're not really interested in coming away. They're not really interested in coming Apple, away. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree then, though, does it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting summer, but, uh, yeah, all good. Very good. exciting. How's Enzo's job going? Yeah, he's going very well. And, yeah, he's just left... Uh, Bristol University got a 2-1. So, I've, I don't know, you, you've probably got some exam results as well. I'm feeling quite proud parents, really. Yeah, we are. And my son is obviously... Um, somehow ended up quite bright, intelligent, conscientious, good-looking, to which you say, you must have picked up the wrong children, <laughs> the wrong children at hospital, I guess. But uh, no, it's been, uh, it's been good fun this summer. No, we've done good. And you've been shamelessly plugging in your book. 
I have, yeah, the boys of winter, which um, I, I've, I've brought in a copy. Just Mike so made a contribution to. Oh, I mean, listen, it's got lots of sticky labels. Yeah, on. it's yeah. ready. Yes, oh, yes. I've got a little bit to raise with you, mm. Mister Taylor. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a quick look down memory lane, a bit of nostalgia from when England were a little bit better at rugby than they are now. Let's just say. And look, it's twenty year anniversary. It makes us all feel very old. Um, and I just wanted to. There's been a lot said, written, and done since two thousand and three, but I don't think we've really heard from the players you know you hear after dinner stories don't you and, and they get slightly embellished or, yeah. or <laughs> you forget just... what the actual truth is yeah, so, <laughs> so I think what, what this is, is is 31 different versions of what happened in Sydney and more importantly or more interestingly you know was it a good thing that we won you'd like to think it was um, and how did it change your life so available in all good bookshops I changed your life properly changed your life <laughs> Well, not actually, not actually. Win- I don't, I'm not sure actually winning it did, going to the tournament did, yeah, but then okay. also getting dropped from the semi final mm. was probably the mo- more important Because that's thing. when you met yes. Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. See, that is a pretty, is that story in your book? That's, Obviously. It is. I'd have to say that's worth being dropped for, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, it just <laughs> it worked out nicely. Thank <laughs> you, Clive. Yeah. Um, had you actually had a skinful when you met her because you no, went no. out to drown your sorrows? No, no, for being so dropped. I basically, I didn't, really, I didn't really talk to her that much in that. It was so the Manly Wharf Bar is now very famous in our relationship because that is that's the bar that we went to. But I she'd been out on a long lunch with some of her girlfriends. And anyone who knows Zara, a long lunch is a good long lunch. <laughs> uh, but I was because I went out with Cosa and who had been dropped off the squad, and then Austin who'd flown in for the potential that uh, Dawson Kieran was carrying injuries. So I was pretty miserable. You know, I, I was still quite young. I was only just turned twenty five. I was I was quite down in the dumps so I didn't really actually chat that much to her that night but then I got past her number later because as as I just said she likes to go out <laughs> so she wanted got, to know I got past her number so then so then after the final she wanted to know where we were all going she wanted to see uh, Lol playing bongos at the cargo club <laughs> wow. obviously looking for a very tall attractive bald looking fella she bypassed you she must have looked straight over me and saw yeah. I have to ask what's your opening line to a member of the royal family I don't think I've got a clue but, but you have to this is what I always try and explain it wasn't that weird because Harry and William was such big fans obviously the Princess Royal did everything she did for uh, Scottish rugby but then off the back of meeting uh, William and Harry then Eugenie and Beatrice would come along so you sort of had met quite a lot of them uh, along the way and Zara had been out all the time Pete went to university with uh, Beastie who's one of my best mates so there was a you know it's not it wasn't that strange it's not like meeting the Queen where it's a completely different story but um, it was yeah, so it was it was quite comfortable, really. It's hell of a rugby WhatsApp group as well, isn't it? That yeah, like with the rugby, not just yeah. a royal one. There's a yeah, rugby I was going to say we'll talk about. It. Presumably, everyone has their like you said. You know, you know, Kate is now with the, the RFU as the patron, and and obviously William with Wales, Princess Royal with 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 Scotland. So there's going to be definitely some some loyalties uh, divided. Uh, yeah, with, without doubt. I mean, it's it's a funny one because the Princess Royal has been patron of Scottish rugby for, I don't know, 40, uh, 40 years mm-hmm. or whatever and is a massive Scotland fan. will go to the nth degree to get to every game and then she follows Gloucester rugby and she's up to date and she knows what she's talking about as well. So it's always quite funny having those conversations with her. It's even better if you're England captain, you win a Calcutta Cup match and you get the trophy off. <laughs> <laughs> That's extra special. Um, okay, let's move on then from that. Oh, I haven't asked you what you've done this oh, summer. Have, well, you, have you done uh, anything interesting? Well, he's been, uh, Lawrence has spoken about it so much that I actually went to Italy on holiday, Did which you? was nice. amazing. I definitely would. I thought you were dressing a bit better. Go back about it. Yeah, <laughs> so it was a lovely little place on the border between Umbria and Tuscany. The, the scenery there was absolutely fantastic. So I could see why you go there a lot. It's 
beautiful. And you got real tan as well. Yeah, I think so. Topped up in the garden. Yes. Yeah, so, and a proud mother, you know, exam yeah, results. Yeah, Sophia, um, yeah, our daughter did well in the GCSEs really well. So um, she's just a really nice summer, really. That's Everyone nice happy. Thing. It needs to be household at the moment. Okay, um, right. So it's finally here then. The 10th Rugby World Cup will be uh, entertaining us for the next seven weeks as we see 20 teams who battle across 48 games in a bid to lift the Web Ellis Cup. To date, you guys know this, obviously, four countries have added their names to the trophy. New Zealand, South Africa, Australia twice and England making history in 2003. You guys obviously have some memories, um, some good memories. Um, we've spoken about one of Mike's best memories from uh, from doing that. <laughs> What's the period like for, for the players when you're kind of counting down the days until the tournament gets started? What would like all these players be going through now? Give us an insight. Well, different things for different players. I mean, England decided rightly or wrongly to announce their squad quite early. So I think everyone knew whether they were in or not. I mean, Wales for instance, went through the warm-up games, no one quite knowing whether they're in the team. So in 2003, we were a very settled squad, but there were still some late changes. You know, Mike Cat came into the squad quite late. I actually didn't play in the warm-up games because I conveniently tweaked my hamstring. I didn't even know I had a hamstring, actually. But, uh, but apparently the boys were saying, well, you know, Lawrence's got a golden ticket, he's on the plane already, sort of thing. But the hardest bit I found was when we arrived in the World Cup in Australia itself because you're kind of there, ready to go. There's still three and a half weeks before the first game. I mean, that is a long time. We did 18 days in Perth, didn't we? Yeah. I guess you have to because of the jet lag. And I mean, yeah. this, that's France, a long time. France though, is very it? different. I just noticed on social media, nice suits, by the way, for the England team. Mm. They've gone with the grey and the brown shoes. Is that I really of, like yeah. them. I don't understand <laughs> what someone... Bringing back, bringing back memories. <laughs> bringing back some happy memories. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's different. I mean, the 07 World Cup for me was very different because I was injured all the way through. And I was genuinely quite concerned. So it was definitely head down for me. So if you personally are in a good place, you're fit, you're raring to go, and the team are playing well, it's happy days. But the difference is this time, this team is in a very different, this squad's in a very different position than what you yeah, guys were going the, out there. Well, they're in a very different spot to what any England team has been. No, I think they're a team that's going with the lowest expectation of out of the 10 World Cups we've had. The, I mean, no, you, no know, they, you can dress it up. God, that's a big statement. You that, can dress it up it? differently, yeah. but they... The, preparations could not have gone any worse really i mean you can't you can't tell me that losing three out of four warm-up games arriving at a world cup with your captain and talisman banned for three games your only number eight also banned for three games and you've lost anthony watson and van Poorfleet. i mean it's not really a lot more else that could have gone wrong now you know we put that to one side now i'm sure england fans will just say right let's just get behind the team that first game is, is massive. It's never good when you're selling it about stories where teams that have been expected to do nothing have gone on and done anything. That's what everyone's selling out there. You go, 2011, France, uh, disarray, sat their coach, got to a final. Yeah. England, 2007, weren't on form. 35-0 first game, got to a final. You know, you're selling those stories rather than sell, selling the other way. You know, it's, it's completely opposite for Ireland. Ireland is trying to get this chip off the shoulder. They're now going in number one with, and all the pressure is going to yeah. keep building do, on them. Uh, yeah, I do feel though that in previous World Cups, many of which Mike and I played in, there was a predictability about certain games and results because the yeah. gaps between the top teams and everyone else the tier two nations supposedly was a lot bigger I think recent World Cups have shown that's different I genuinely believe and I know lots of people might agree or disagree there could be one or two other upsets I mean England might not be the talking point soon because you know what happens if Scotland suddenly produce a, a really amazing performance I, I against, against I fancy them putting a performance in against South Africa. Yeah. So I think Scotland. there will be upsets in this tournament. It will be different from any other. Fiji, World the top-ranked team in Group C. Yeah, geez, <laughs> so, I'm really worried about Group C. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Well, well, Argentina and Japan. Yeah. Should we, actually, yeah. should we go through the pools then? Should we go through the pools? Let's mm. do Pool A. So France, 
New Zealand, Italy, Uruguay, Namibia. It's a boring pool, this one. <laughs> yeah. There's one great game. It's, it's the first game of the World Cup. But, but do you know what, though? I was thinking about this the other day. I remember the last when the last World Cup was in France. And I know, like, New Zealand are a very different team than what Argentina was in France. They're in a very different place now than what they were all those years ago. But Argentina beat France on that opening night, do you remember? And it was, like, all doom and gloom then from mm. then on. So, I mean, if they lose that game, which they could... Right? Does it just fall a bit flat? It's an incredibly, incredibly ballsy call. Very French well, to I'm take not... that game on yeah. first. Because no, obviously, you, 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 get to cho- you get to choose that first game oh, if you're the host yeah. nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah you oh, get right. to pick who you play against. So this goes back to 2015 when England chose poorly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they get to choose. Now, if they're hoping that they're hitting them off, they're going to catch them off colder. But then you look at France now with four injuries, Vilmsy, Bye. Entomac yeah, no and maybe Dante yeah. might Dante be out well. now, which yeah. is Dante's massive for them. Yeah. I think Jalibert is still a quality player, so yeah. um, but Dante's a massive miss if he misses it. So yeah, it's it's very ballsy, very French. But if they pull it off and they win, obviously they beat them last time out. The country will go through the roof yeah. and it'll start. It'll and their, start their, off in the and right their preparation as really has been very very different this yeah. time to 07 They've been very open. They've, they've yeah. been letting fans in to try. They look comfortable seeing their families as well, which they didn't. They in look so comfortable. I think what they managed to do in terms of taking that that double uh, World Cup winning under 20, 20 side basically back to backs to then grow them through this. You know, people worry about well, they've never been in this situation, never been under this pressure before, but they look so comfortable. I mean, they demolished. Australia, Australia. Eddie still picks them to win, but um, <laughs> you know the, the way that they've done it, the way they did it. What impressed me the most was like building scores. They took shots at goal. They want to keep the scoreboard they ticking over. A French team that thinks logically as well as be playing in a possible chaos yeah. theory is one to be worried about. I mean, it's New Zealand and France out of that group. That's quite yeah. easy, isn't yeah. it? Well, the, the other interesting thing is this is probably very different for any New Zealand team to go into World Cup having been humbled by the largest ever score against South Africa recently. So, you know, they are still a very, very good team. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how they go. I mean, let's not forget South Africa lost their first game in Japan to New Zealand quite comfortably in the end. They were well beaten. Uh, and they Didn't sort of... you guys lose your first game as well when you won the World Cup? No. Am I making no, that up? We beat no, South, Africa. South Africa are the first team ever in history to have lost a game and, and then well, go on okay. to win it. So it is possible, but make no mistake, whoever loses that game, be France or New Zealand, will be then walking a tightrope. And I don't know, I mean, there's part of me that wants France to win that game because it just, if you're the host nation, it just gets the whole yeah. tournament off to, mm. a, to a... It's the best start. It's the best have. start for them if they don't. But they, it's the worst start for everyone else, isn't it? Oh my God, the host, well, I don't know. If you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you get New Zealand on a roll, it's not great for everyone no, else either. No, this is true. But at least, at least we'll true. all be having fun in the French if they win. <laughs> we'll be all having fun in France. That's Not very that true. We'll struggle to have fun in France. No, there's really there's going to be nerves as well for every every team when you play your first game. You know, we, we were against Georgia in in '03. You're nervous. I mean, they're not mocks anymore. It's the real thing, and you've got to get them right. <laughs> so that pool is pretty straightforward. Then uh, Pool B: uh, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, Romania. Mike, everyone is talking about South Africa and Ireland. You've mentioned Scotland already. They're just kind of like quietly going about their business. They are the perfect team to ruin someone else's World yeah. Cup. So, you know, and whether, and then you look at the permutations of if they nick one against South Africa or Ireland, then it, it shifts the pressure. If they, if they nick South Africa, suddenly South Africa's, the, the, how much the pressure shifts to how important that Ireland game is, you can then let the pressure get to you and, 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 and I think that, you know, look, Scotland have produced some steady results. I mean, they've, yeah. they've beaten England consistently. They've always struggled a little bit against Ireland. But if you look at the makeup of their squad, 
you know, they've got big, strong, fit forwards. And with Finn Russell, you know, anything can happen. So they're, they're a very dangerous side to play against, I think. There's oh, been sorry. enough in their warm-up yeah. games yeah. to suggest that they could cause an upset. And if you throw, if you throw, yeah, you look at those two France games, they, they played really well in that. How are we feeling about Ireland? Because there's a team that are the number one side in the world. They're, you know, they've beaten everyone, Grand Slam champions. I'm feeling confident. Well, I, I agree. Because <laughs> listen, I mean, Mike and I played in 03 and we went into that tournament as the Grand Slam champions as the number one side in the world exactly the same position Ireland are in we felt quite comfortable with that but actually once we arrived in Australia the pressure did start to just creep up on you because when you are the number one side there is a, a different press conference there's a different expectation everyone plays their best game against you but they seem to handle it quite well you know Johnny Sexton's back in there they've haven't sustained too many injuries it's interesting I don't think they've played as well as they can in their warm-up games but that's okay because that means there's a little bit more room for improvement there and I think they're saving a little bit for the tournament which is a good thing I think they've played around with their squad a fair bit the key thing for me if you look at their forward packs you need a forward pack that's going to go all the way through the tournament and in the past we've maybe talked about strength and depth but you look at the you know they've got six props four of those you'd, you'd yeah. pick week in week just out just Healy was a bit of a blow yeah, yeah Healy is a it. blow but they've still got four qualities in Porter Kilcoyne Furlong and Bealham they've still got yeah. great great props within that then the second rows every single one of them you'd, you'd, t- you'd take out the four you wouldn't mind starting mm. and then their back row and is their back, back row, row yeah. Yeah. so to go deep into a tournament you're going to have to have a forward pack that can stand up especially with the games that they're going to have to play not only have you got Scotland and South Africa to take on then you're going to go against France or New Zealand yeah. and then you'll get whatever you get from the other <laughs> side as you, go, as you come through but you know that's the, the biggest thing for that side of the draw is they've got to keep people fit. and and you look at, at the balance of how Ireland play now uh, they still do what they did under Joe Smith protect their own end unbelievably well they still compete for those balls but then they've now given, been given that freedom to actually have a look, have a different kicking policy as well on the edge a little bit more and the, and it's really working out for them. What is the mood? I was going to say, what is the mood in the camp? You can give us the I don't know, line, Steve, I'm not you? in there, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you're not speaking to your husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not speaking about rugby. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a happy camp. So, I don't know, it's that thing, isn't it? When they get over, you know that all the questions are going to be like, oh, well, you've never got past the quarterfinals and this, that, that's the interesting and it's thing. And f- it's funny, I mean, Lowell has very rarely sat in that conversation, but being at Gloucester and always getting to finals and always losing finals, that question never goes. How much does that affect you? It, well, it just brings a massive irritation. I don't okay. think you really look back at it and obviously you play the media answer going look well, yeah, it's always going to be there until you change it and I never changed it at Gloucester we won the Parker Pen or whatever it was back in the day but we never went to that next step and it's just stuck with you and they're going to have to deal with that they now, do seem to be very in a very different place yeah, now don't yeah, they it's, different it's true yeah, also it's very true. comfortable they've got a lot of players from Leinster who have you know serial winners so it's not like they're not used to that they've got world class players as well the interesting thing for me will be how does Andy Farrell juggle his squad around to make sure that some of his best players, James Ryan, Tyg Furlong, Johnny Sexton, are still on the field at the end of the game. Because what we learned from the European Cup final was that if you take some of your best players off the field and the game's not won, you can end up by losing it. Mm -hmm. And I think to go deep in the tournament, they're going to need those better players still on the field. Can they do the 80 minutes consistently against some of those players? I think they can. But it's going to be an interesting balancing that, act for the coaches. Yeah, you know, for th- for you know two of those games in their group, you are going to have to pick your best team. Yeah, you know, South Africa and Scotland. You, I don't think you can rotate going into that. Yeah. So then it's what damage that does 
And then you're going to go into got a couple of the games that you expect to win. But it's then a you're brutal side of the draw. Yeah, you can't take Tonga lightly either, can you? Well, no. No. <laughs> but you can wrap people in cotton wool. Okay, so what are we saying out of that group then, despite you fancying Scotland's chances? Are you still no, saying um, South Africa, Ireland? I still think they'll get through, but I think it could go down to points difference. I think it could be a upset in there. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Right, at Pool C. <laughs> Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, Portugal. Steve, I feel like this was pretty open. Worries me a little bit. Um, how do you see this one playing It's out? mad, isn't it? I think you look at Australia and they could either get all the way to the final or get knocked out in the pool stage. Either way, though, the press conference is going to be great. So yeah. actually, I'm they, quite they, comfortable they, with that. Well, they can't so. get any worse. If you have a press conference with Eddie Jones when you're there, you can say, well, Eddie, you've already had the worst press conference. And this is now yeah. for the best. It was, one then. Yeah. It was such a good watch. I a comfortable watch. Eddie, but. with a chip on his shoulder... Uh, and with a cause to fight, you do fear that, you know, Australia eventually, they have to come right eventually. I mean, they've, what, lost five in a row? So you would think that they will there get was, it together do not think there was an, I mean, the, the, the one Bledisloe Cup match they played where they came out of the blocks quite quickly, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, 21-0 up or whatever. 21-0 up. I mean, there's enough in that, that performance to suggest that somewhere in there is a very, very good side. If they do get it right, and let's just say that they will, because Eddie Jones's record, you have to respect that. Whether yeah. you like him or not, at World Cup time, he's always managed to get a squad together that delivers. So um, There are yeah. some good, very good players in that. In that team, and they have put in performances. There was even good stuff in the hammering from France, yeah. and and they're just they're creating stuff, but they're not finishing stuff off. Um, but they have good players. That, and that he's winger, I can't say his name now. It goes on for it. I can't say it. But yeah. I'm not even going to attempt it right no, now. None of us are. We're just going, looking at you. Just expecting you to. I'm going to read it in front what's, of me. But what's the, mood, what's the mood in Wales about Wales's chances? Because say Wales for me again, like you did Wales. then. Okay. Because they're having um, a bit of a rebuild. They obviously had a rebuild under Gatlin. And they've had to, you know, they took a long time to to move on from a some some real legends of the game. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some green shoots of recovery there. There's definitely a, there are know, green shoots of recovery, but I don't I don't think you know people are very optimistic, like especially after seeing Fiji against England, and <laughs> you know we don't really know what to expect from Australia. Um, yeah. And then we lost to Georgia as well recently. So, yeah. but but I think you know you know Gatland better than anyone, right? And he always manages yeah. to get something from those boys at World Cup stages. I don't know how he does it, but so I think there isn't a huge amount of optimism. But we're like, okay, well, let's just get out of the group and then see what can happen. Well, that might be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. no optimism. Yeah. Get out of the group is optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Says, well, says us as Englishmen. With yeah. their best available 15 and squad, I think if they manage to, I mean, they picked up a few injuries in the warm-ups, but if they can stay injury-free, their best team has still got packed full of some experienced players as well. Fat yeah, and Dan Biggers yeah. playing his last World Cup. Have you ever um, played in a team with co-captains? Does that work? 
Do you know Does what? They're, they're both such good guys. Like I think he's played a blinder there. Jack Morgan is such a good bloke, and Derry Lakers as well. They're just like I know they're young, but mm. I think that's quite a clever move. Like, yeah. uh, what, what do you think about? Yeah, but they, you know, there's not really an emotive captain driver there, though, is there? But I don't know who that they leads. Do, on. They probably do five minutes each just before you went out. You <laughs> yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's like you take you take the first five minutes of the team tour, <laughs> yeah. and I'll do the next five. Actually, I was going to ask you, what would your team talk be to England right now? I meant to ask you that at the top. And I forgot. <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with rugby, would it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of history between England and Argentina. You know, Margaret Thatcher didn't help anyone with that. To be <laughs> oh, my God. Well, no, it's a fact. It is a fact. And, I, I you know, it's. It, I'm not sure how much of the current generation necessarily, you know, studied history at school. But, you know, there's a reason why every game we played against Argentina was a very tough game of rugby. because, And they've got so much better. In fact, this is a team, Argentina, that have beaten England already in the last twelve months. So and are, and are built for they're uh, always built for rugby. Yeah, World I don't Cup. think yeah, I don't always. think this group of England players need any more motivation because they lost to Argentina at Twickenham the last outing. So, but yeah. no one's talking about them either, though. Like it's a bit yeah. like Scotland. No one's talking about Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think they've gone through a little plateau. But you watch them in the rugby championship this this time. Obviously, they got the win over Australia, the last player of the game. Um, they got a bit of a serving by South Africa, but. They didn't have a lot of their players because the French French league goes for so long. They were missing a lot of players. So it's just how they've adapted over that really that short time for those players to come into squad. Um, but yeah, it, when they're when they're on song, they're great you, to watch. You deflected nicely there from getting away from Wales, yeah. not getting out of the group. That was clever, though, wasn't it? Out of the group, yes. Oh. Yeah. At whose expense? Like genuinely, I don't like Australia. Is it? I'm going to go Fiji Wales. Is that is that a bold call? Well, not really. I mean, Fiji are the top-ranked team. Yeah, uh, Georgia could throw throw some spanner into Couldn't someone's uh, someone's hat. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's... I, th- I think in light of the way that Fiji have played, and there was enough in that France and England game to suggest that they're clearly very dangerous. But equally, if you're a world-class coach, which both Wales and Australia have one, um, there is a way of constructing a game plan that frustrates the Fijians and, you know, making zero mistakes, turning the ball over at every opportunity and giving them an opportunity to play is not how you play against them, you know. So I think that, let's give Gatland and, and Eddie Jones credit. If you go into that Fiji game and you're trying to play seven-a-side rugby, you're going to have a difficult time. But I'm pretty sure they'll come up with a game plan that is more like old-school test rugby that makes sure that they win that game. The worry is, for everyone in that group, is Fiji's scrum looked rock solid yeah. and the, te- the 10 their exit plan was really yeah, good, really good, good. Um, the, but, and no matter how much you try and start from the ball at some point one of them will get one opportunity and they'll make someone look like an idiot and they flood they flood the channel so well and it's like bang 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 try so we're still <laughs> saying Wales and Australia though aren't we I am yeah, you're still, still I, saying Wales and Australia. Saying Wales Australia I think that first well. game is going to be huge though Wales Fiji I think if Wales lose that game I think Fiji get through but I'm not sure who at the expense of Okay. Mm. Just because you're here, I um, think Australia will go through. <laughs> 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 okay. So, so as an aside, how about Lewis Rees-Summit as the top try scorer in the competition? There's an outside bet yeah. for you. If Wales He's got get a dog through. coming out next week on his career so far. No, he was on fine form at the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> was he actually? Just as a side note, side note, Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, he was on very good form. I think, do you know what I li- like? I like about... Lewis though he just embraces it all it's like what he does is great but he's like one of this new generation isn't he he knows his value he knows his worth he's going to enjoy it and like I thought all wingers were like that they just just get on with it (laughs) Um, we've kind of spoken a bit about Paul D haven't we really Um, like 
England's pool, Argentina, Japan, Chile, Samoa. I know like England rugby is not in a fantastic place at the moment, but they're going to get out of that pool, aren't they? Well, here's a question for you, Long. If England don't get out of that pool, does Steve Borthwick lose his job? I would say you can't sack him. You can't, can't give him, him. You can't give him the hand grenade you've given him, and then yeah. and then throw him sack out. Him throw, off, yeah. Yeah, sack him off straight out of the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, even Eddie's come out to defend him and to <laughs> blame the RFU. Yeah. Throw smoke somewhere else. It wasn't me. It was a, <laughs> or uh, alternatively, what do you checked. mean it wasn't you? We had, we played the best rugby ever in 2019, yeah. and then it went downhill. How how yeah. those players suddenly become? <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's just yeah. the the enormity of that game can't be underestimated for England. I mean, if they win, all of the um, you know, disruption, all of the results, everything in the build-up just goes away immediately. Um, and it is a serious momentum shift. Um, and suddenly, you beat Argentina, the English squad are feeling happy with life, Japan's second game. They've got, their, you know, potentially their two hardest games in the first two games and wouldn't take uh, Samoa lightly, but, uh, you know, you can mix and match your squad a little bit and, and move forward in a way that's quite constructive towards a quarter-final. But lose that game and then, you know, I mean, they, they appear to have a bit of a siege mentality at the moment, which is slightly concerning for well, me. Is that concerning though? Or can that be a good thing? Well, it's, it's, it can work, but it but it's not the way to operate a world-class team. No. You feel at the moment the RFU, they've just battened down every hatch. You can't get in. It's an impenetrable place. Is that know. like a defence mechanism or is it always... Yeah, they think just, that's better. That's yeah. the, the worst thing you should do. You should be actually getting... You, you need to be out there making people believe and that's by putting players in front of fans and, and going, right, hearing what the boys have to say rather than getting the odd tweet that's out there for example Ellis going uh, write us off if you want you don't want that you want that face to face it's also it's it. okay to be vulnerable you know, yeah. we've, all been, we've all lost big games of rugby that we should have won maybe you go out there you explain yourself the fans see there's a little bit of vulnerability there there's a bit of passion because the players care the players have spirit they have passion there's no one that's trying harder to, to, to get things right than them the problem is if you don't if you don't there is a void that's left yeah, and, the and that void shifts, is filled yeah. with people, people who don't say, who don't yeah, say very nice things about England. Yeah. Were you were you allowed to do when you guys played and, and you had a bad performance like that? Was that within the group then would say, right, boys, one of us needs to front up now and go and talk about this? Or were you even allowed to do that? Would the RFU be like, well, no, no, well, no, no, was, no, no, we don't It's funny because we, we were probably shut down a little bit because Clive had, you know, he had this pet peeve at the media and everything and we debugged every room and everything like that. Um, but fortunately, you debugged every room. Yeah, we had microphone sweepers. And everything. <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. that so much. Still lost every line out in the final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, but you, th- you know, you, we, we were fortunate that we didn't lose that many games. But you know, it, when we lost Scotland in two thousand, whether we, you know, the foot and mouth game, you know, we lost three Grand Slams along that way, and we, you know, you have to have sort of front up at certain. But point that's, that's what I mean now. I mean, within that group you would look at the senior players and think, right, well, one of you needs to take ownership of but this. there's and... enough in there. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, I heard, you know, you got George Ford coming out saying, look, training wasn't good enough the mm. week of the Fiji game. But why can't, everyone can be comfortable saying that. You can actually be more down on yourself to say that, look, this is what we're trying to do, to actually try and get some sympathy back yeah. or something or flip it around in a different way. Um, actually, going through that Fiji game, as much as, in attack, I saw more positives than I'd seen for a long time in terms of the way they managed to put some air on the ball Johnny May giving him a one-on-one getting a try Manu and actually Ollie Lawrence got a few in the first half in the second half it seemed to go really conservative again and that was a bit of a worry for me but they need to trust themselves you cut out the simple basic unforced errors I don't know whether the players were nervous they're just snatching at things but I mean they, they had just so many mistakes 
And then what happens is, as a player, you start to try and make up for that and then you end up giving penalties away. So those two things added together end up with a really disastrous balance sheet and then you invite the team into the game. I'm pretty sure, and I've, I've mentioned this in the column I wrote um, over the weekend, all of those problems can be sorted out quite quickly overnight. You go into a game, error-free rugby. I mean, they're not going to suddenly set the world on fire and score like loads and loads of tries, but error-free rugby, okay, and just, you know, do the discipline thing right. And then suddenly there's some very, very good players in that squad, some very experienced players. Some of these guys are going to their fourth World Cup, you know. So please don't tell me they haven't got what it takes to to go out there and, and, and answer some of their critics. Well, so can yeah. they make the semi-finals? I think, well, yeah, I think they can. Yeah, they can, but it's not, it's not respectful to suggest that they should or, or, or will at this stage of the tournament, given what they've, they've done coming into it. Mm. You know, just win your first game. As a very neat segue, on that note, it seems like a, quite a good time for us to cross over to the Evening Standard rugby correspondent, Nick Purewell, who is based in Le Touquet uh, over in France. Beautifully said. And yeah. he has, shall I say it in the wet, Le Touquet. <laughs> Just, like, don't, like just, don't, just don't say toupee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, le toupee, that's long gone for me. Um, and he has the latest news from the England camp. Well, England have been in France since Thursday, but today was the first day that you felt that Steve Borthwick and the coaches and the players are beginning to warm to their surroundings. Le Touquet is one of the most pristine, prestigious resorts in France. It's the most English of resorts. And it's actually where Ian Fleming came up with the idea for James Bond, if you could believe that. The good news on Monday was that it looks like all of England's players should be fit for the weekend. So that means Tom Curry would be available potentially for the first time to feature having missed the whole August programme with an ankle problem. That would be a massive boost if he could return, although it would probably be a big stretch for him to start. Elliot Daly and George Martin are also in training, and Courtney Law's trained, having missed the capping ceremony on Saturday. So that was the official ceremony where England were introduced to the people of Le 2K at the Palais de Congrès, which is the convention centre. England's approach to their welcome ceremony was fairly staid in comparison to some of the more heartfelt, comfortable offerings we've seen from the likes of Wales, where Dan Bigger delivered a very polished speech in French with pretty much no notes. And if you look at Fiji, their players delivered a very melodic song, came across very humble and very warm. Ireland had an open training session in front of 12,000 people in Tours, which is where their base is. England did have an open session on Friday, but it was ticketed and there were about 500 people perhaps there. But with Borthwick and his coaches, they've appeared a bit touchy at times. Richard Wigglesworth was disagreeing with journalists the other day at the suggestion there'd been some kind of disconnect between coaches and players and that the players weren't completely happy with the game plan and Borthwick appeared pretty miffed with the setup on Friday in terms of where the press and the broadcasters were stood for the open training session. These are sorts of things that you wouldn't expect these coaches to be bothering themselves at this point, to be frank, because they've got bigger fish to fry. On Friday, all eyes will be on Paris because France take on the All Blacks. England will be hoping they can sort of sneak under the radar a little, but this Argentina game is absolutely massive because with Michael Checker, who's a very, very smart, astute coach, who's always got some tricks up his sleeve, who's a very canny guy, somebody who's well-respected all around the world, and he's a great fit for that Argentina team, which is a team full of fiery, committed, pugnacious rugby players. It's going to heat up very nicely for an absolutely brilliant game on Saturday, but England have got a long way to go. One school of thought says they've been holding some tricks up their sleeve. Another says that they just aren't capable of delivering what's required. We'll find out on Saturday night. Okay, then, guys, before we go, um, I'm going to get you all to make predictions of who you think will be lifting the trophy on the 28th of October. Um, and one country, not like, oh, well, this could happen, and this could or. happen, and then, huh? Yeah. 
You can't say and, and or. or. No, well, none of that. One word answer. Um, okay, Lol, do you want to go first? France, I think. I, I really do hope. So. Uh, well, it's my hope. I, I, I said South Africa last World Cup, and and then I was crying in my pint on the, after the first <laughs> game. After the first game, and it could well be that the same again because uh, France may not win that first game, but I think given all the problems that they've had coming into this competition, I think that squad is incredibly well prepared, incredibly well motivated. And they've got, you know, in Anton Dupont, the best rugby player on the planet. Okay, there was more than one word, but fine, we'll give it to you. Uh, Mike, who do you think? Because he's, I was going to pick France, but I'm going to get, I'll go a different way because that's not and or or. Go on, go, <laughs> go Ireland, go uh, Ireland. So, go on then, I will. Ireland. Good lad. Okay, good. Ooh. I'm going to agree. Oh, well, I was <laughs> going to go France as well, but now I'm going to have to pick somebody else. I actually think it'll be a France-South Africa final. And I think then it's very close to call. So I'll go South Africa. Okay, so we've covered a few it's bases de- it's there. Definitely, it's definitely be those three. You pick the other one and then it's definitely, well, one of us is definitely winning. I'm <laughs> <laughs> worried that no one is mentioning New Zealand. The fact that Joe Schmidt is now part of their coaching team and mm. is quite an interesting coach. And I mean, are they, have they fallen that badly that, that they don't even come into contention? Because a dangerous New Zealand side is... Um, I think it was that performance at Twickenham, wasn't it? It sort of, I know it was South Africa and I know there was they were down to 14 men, but for me, it just looked like that's not a team that's going to win the World Cup. But you, you sort of forget they humped them in the Rugby World Championship <laughs> yeah, three, weeks three weeks earlier. True. Weeks before. Well, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be interesting and exciting. Uh, we've seen a pretty unsettled domestic landscape over the last 12 months, um, but it's really a chance, I guess, to showcase why we all love the game and hopefully attract new fans to the sport too. Yeah, and listen, let's not forget, this is the biggest tournament on the planet for rugby. It's the best players playing on the biggest stage of all in the the best stadiums. And I, and I do believe that France will serve up something very, very special. There'll be thousands and thousands of fans, not just the Irish, thousands of fans invading France uh, and making it a, an incredible few weeks. Are you worried it's all about red, yellow cards? Might start spoiling it as a spectacle? Um, hope not. Hope not. I think we're going to see a lot of bunkers. I think we're mm. be a bit like my golf, really. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot of bunkers. I, I like that. Because I, I, bunkers, I genuinely believe yeah, that, like that when, when there's a mm. 50-50 decision, if you've got a bunker opportunity, why would the referee... Like, Owen, Owen Farrell was a red card. Yeah. No yeah. Doubt. The referee, if before the bunker concept was introduced, that would have just been a straight red. Yeah. But now every referee will just defer. So I think it's going to be a different World Cup. We've yeah. got to get used to that. We're going to be broadcasting it. And we're just going to have to explain to people that, you know, that yellow might become a red, which is a new but, concept. But it protects the referees out there, which I think is a fantastic thing. And, you know, hopefully you won't see a Joubert running off the pitch after right. <laughs> the end That's of the right. game or yeah, anything because right. they're worried. <laughs> <laughs> and you just have to make sure you've got your sea legs. Although, does the cruise ship actually move when you're on uh, it? it? It doesn't move till Monday. Friday to, to Monday, say, then it goes from Marseille to Ibiza. What could go wrong? Marseille what? to Ibiza. Yeah, what yeah. could go wrong? Well, with, with Pascal DJing, I'm sure. Is his USB stick last that long? <laughs> <laughs> not entirely, not entirely Listen, sure. That's all for this episode and what an absolute cracker it's been. We shall be back next week with plenty to talk about. But for now, my thanks to Sar, to Steve, and of course, to Mike Tindall. And thanks to you all for listening. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.